Thank you so much, Father. Father, you know what you're doing here. You know what you're doing within us, around us. There's no question about it. We just put every ounce of faith, every drop of faith in your hands, Father. Thank you. May these words that you place on my heart, the words that you push out of my mouth, unlock what's dormant within us, Father. This is all you, Father. This is your stage, Father. There's nothing else about it. You are in me. You are doing this, Father. I'm being loud for no reason, Father. Not because you are Father. This, oh, that's the only reason we need. I just thank you. I thank you for putting me up here, for showing me I deserve to be up here because I'm your daughter, Abba. Thank you. Everyone listening, you are his child. Don't you dare put your head down like you're someone else. He adopted you, plucked you out of the orphanage. Thank you so much, Abba, for claiming us, for making us, for destining us, for doing everything in your power to remind us how deeply loved we are. You are doing this. This is not in my hands. You placed it in mine, which means it was in yours. It still is in yours. This is all you. There's nothing else to it. I thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba, Father. You couldn't have prepared me anymore. That's not really true. I, I could have allowed you to prepare me more. But we're going to work with the obedience I finally have stepped into. I thank you, Abba. Long time coming, guys. Hallelujah. Did I plan that? No. <laughs> I said that was all him. It so was him. I'm a pacer, guys. I'm going to be going back and forth. Like, you, you might see me here, and you won't see me there. And yeah. Just beware of the hide-and-go-seek game that is looking at a five-foot teacher on the stage. Five-foot females unite. Okay, there, there's a point. Yeah, see? There's someone there. Oh, Yes. My sisters, you guys understand. You understand. And those who pat us on the head, we love you. We do. We do. Father, Father, what are you doing here? Did I, Father, what, what, what do you want me to say tonight? Because I have a script. I ha I'm looking at the notes. But if you need me to deviate at any point, show me when to pivot, Father. <laughs> Whew. Oh, my gosh. We are here <laughs> trading sin for righteousness. That's my name. <laughs> Thank you, Father. So it's so cool that when you go onto the podcast, for those that are listening, when you go and look at my sisters that came before me, Ola, Terry, Tanya, and Davida, and you look at their messages, some of them mention how they held onto their, onto their assignment, dealt with it, it might have weighed them down, or they just quickly ran through what they needed to do to get it done. But with me, I, I feel like an untrained athlete who just sprinted 
within the first, because we, we were assigned this back in November, I sprinted in, in the the notes that I'm looking at is like three-fourths of what I had was back in December. And then distraction, uh, procrastination, and who knows what else. And then I finally cleaned up everything within the past week. So, Father, you knew what you were doing. Whew. First time, first scar is the deepest, first teaching is sweatiest. But we're going to do it. We're going to do it. So, What you see on the screen, think of it as what we're doing here is the action of learning about, being aware of, and confessing in our hearts our wrongdoings, but investing ourselves into what is right in our Heavenly Father's eyes. That's what we're doing. This is not a message coming from a condemning place, because I will not act like, well, of course, I got this message, because I'm no, no, don't you dare put a, a ruler to what you're doing. Don't compare yourself to anybody else, says the person who compares herself to everybody else. So we're working on that. But, Father, just, just thank you. I'm going to be thanking him profusely throughout this message, so get used to that. <laughs> we're, we were in wrong standing, but, but those with Christ within them, we are in right standing. There's no working towards right standing. You're just in it. We are trading darkness for light. Well, it has been traded. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I use the New International Version a lot. So, this one says, God made him who had no sin, none, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And when I first read this, I thought, ooh, keyword, might become. No guarantees, huh? No. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like you. There are times where I can highlight the most negative point in just the most beautiful, positive message. We might become, huh? Why does it say definitely? Because he gave us free will. So he's not twisting our arm. He wants not robots, but children with free will to come to him and to accept what his perfect son, what our big brother Christ Jesus did so that we will become the righteousness of God, but our faith has to get us there. So, I'm just trying to move it along. I'm trying to keep up with the momentum. What is sin? You guys kind of know what we really do. That's through application, through practice. We know what it is, but I'm just going to tell you anyway. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, NIV. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin. The wages of sin is death. So keep that in mind. You probably heard that phrase before. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Right? That's because sin, what is sin if we as human beings, as creatures, as creations just live how we want. 
not caring who we destroy, not caring who we hurt in the process. The wages of sin is death. So sin in itself is really, it's a piece of candy, it's a cigarette. It's just sitting there on the table. It means nothing to you if you don't overindulge or practice addictions or blah, blah, blah. This is not the teaching on teaching you what sin is. So we're just too familiar with it. I'm looking forward to getting to the good part, which is the second half of the title. Righteousness. So, whew. the Greek work for, not Greek work, Greek word for sin is pronounced hamartia, hamartia. So I placed five portions that I found on the Blue Letter Bible. For those of you that don't know about it, it's an incredible tool free, free incredible tool to show you more of the everyday words we're familiar with in the Bible and give you so much detail on it. So the first one connected to hamartia is to be without a share in. The second one is to miss the mark. So someone try to reach it and miss. The third is to err, be mistaken. Oops. The fourth one is to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor to do or go wrong. And the last one is to wander from the law of God to violate God's law. So... Once again, we're so clear on what sin is, but hamartia sounds a lot like mama mia. No, hamartia. Um, H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A gives us a lot of detail about what we already know, right? So I broke it up into two and a half categories of sin. And we're just so, we recognize these. I just look forward to the part where we get to the really healing, liberating, exciting, relieving part of this message. This part, please, as you listen, as you witness me up here, don't be succumbed to the immense flashbacks that the words will present to you. We are free from our past. We are, as my sister Tanya said, a new man. We are new creatures. So don't take your flashbacks as, oh, man, what if I do it again? What if, mm -mm. that's not what this message is for. So I'm warning you, that was the disclaimer. So here I go. Accidental. Sinning without knowing a particular action was wrong. No convictions are present within one's soul due to ignorance of offense. You can't feel bad for something you didn't know was bad. Don't act like, don't, 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 please don't act like, oh man, I really should have. You really couldn't because you were young, immature, ignorant. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways we can call it, but you didn't mean it, but that's why he told us we all fall short because we were all infants. We were born in it through Adam's family. Clap, clap. And it's just what's gonna, it's just the facts. 
So in the book of, Levit- book of Leviticus, God definitely made a distinction between intentional and accidental sin, such as having someone throw something out the window without looking, someone outside the building got hit in the head and died. And now that person has to run to the next town, specifically ordained by God in the Old Testament, to protect those who accidentally murdered someone as an off-limits place to those who vengefully chase after the one who took their loved one's life. He totally talked about that in Leviticus, saying, if you kill someone accidentally, go skip town, go to that town in particular, and you need to move fast because you're about to get got by the person. Like, what happened to who? I'm going to get him. He didn't mean it. That don't matter. I'm going to get him. Okay. So he knew not only how sin works, but how we respond to those who sin against us. So that was just a brief reminder. Intentional. Sinning while knowing clearly. Knowing clearly before you do it what the word says, grieving the spirit by ignoring one's convictions. So that only happens when you knew. You knew that was wrong, but you did anyway. And I have a subcategory called habitual. When you really, really, really know. Darn. Okay. So let's keep going. Just for those note takers, Romans 6.23 is the scripture, wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. And many of us don't seek for ways to sin. It is in our DNA through Adam and Eve just to do what is against Appa's will and just follow our own agenda. So we seek all kinds of ways to fill our Abba-shaped hole in our hearts through unholy ways. Any way, what's an unholy way? I'll tell you. Which is any way that does not involve Abba himself, that does not have Abba in mind. For years, I struggled with pervasive, just the pervasive mental and physical sin of fornication. And unfortunately, in high school and college, it's normalized, it's idolized. You get complimented, you get exalted, praised for sinning. Sinning a certain amount of times with certain people. Those that claim they'll never do it. Oh, you did that with who? Good job. Good job. What? So... Over and over again, I heard and experienced stories that sound a lot like this. I'm feeling lonely, but instead of reading God's word, spending time with him face-to-face, in person, quenching my thirst for companionship, which he placed in me intentionally so that I'd come to him, I'm going to spend time with place person here, or place thing here to help fill this void. And if a certain person suggests certain activities, then it would be rude to deny them after I already sought for this person's company. I really didn't want to be here, but what other choice did I have? There may have been moments that you've experienced something like that and even caused someone else to stray. We've all been there. But your first and best 
and only real choice is to always seek the Father above everything. The loneliness, the anxiety, the confusion, the anger, we just prolong those sensations when we don't go to the Father first. We're stalling the doctor's appointment. We are not getting what we need. We're, the fridge is right there, but we're going to eat pebbles off the floor instead. So, uh, the next slide is Jonathan McReynolds' Cycles. It's amazing. If you have not heard it, it's amazing. He didn't sponsor me. If you wanted to give me something, I can put my cash up at the end. So the lyrics are on the screen so that this is just yet another reminder to pay attention to the lyrics, the lyrics that enter your mind disguised as a good beat, as a nice jam, as something that you just hear while you're in the car or working out, or as you go to sleep, because what we, what we put in our soul can come out of our heart. So you got to be really careful with what you feed yourself, both physically and spiritually. But music, there's a reason why God created it for us to enjoy. So I'm going to read them, not sing them. No, that's not this message. I will read them, <laughs> and please follow along with me. Didn't I conquer this last year? Tell me what I missed, because I fear that it's coming back up again. Must be something I ate, some songs, some shows, some hate. The devil wants to extend the game, free throws. And when it ends, he wants to make the sequel, because if he has another chance, he feels like he can take my joy my peace, my faith. Oh, Lord, help me be free from all of my past sins. See, your love is enough to make me new and keep me, well, help me in these cycles, cycles. Help me in these cycles, oh, Lord, cycles. I need you to help me in these cycles. I rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Oh, these cycles, cycles. So those words are our words. We felt them. And we will be set free from them again and again. In the name of Jesus, amen. So this was the first scripture I found, thanks to the Blue Letter Bible. I really need to donate them, donate to them after this. So this is the first scripture that appears in the Bible with the word sin. I was wondering, what is the first word in the Bible that contains Sin. I'm sure it's Genesis, but I really want to know exactly what scripture it was. Turns out it was Genesis 4, 4th chapter, 7th verse. I'm reading the New International Version. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Anyone want to take a guess? Who is God speaking to? In the next slide, you will see Genesis 4, fourth chapter, the first through the ninth verse. 
I intentionally did not put the ninth one in there because, frankly, a lot of us already memorized what he said. But I'm going to read it from beginning to end. And I want you guys to really let this sink in. Let this plant a seed in you. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth the man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock, The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Now, this is the part that's not on the screen. We know what he asked. And just like how he confronted Adam and Eve, he asked them, where are you? No, I'm very well. This is God. He knows where they are. As a kid, I wonder, why is he asking them when he knows where they are? He wants to know their response, not their true location. So just like this right here in this message, like father, like son, like parents, like children, the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother? Where is Abel? (laughs) There's so many scriptures say it differently, but the most common one I found was, I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? I just imagine how did God really look at him just... Where... Is able. Oh no. Okay, so we're not gonna mock him today, because frankly, we've been in his shoes today. We have killed with words, or literally, we have killed parts of ourselves. We've we've deprived ourselves of life, of true life. So frankly, as much as I want to say, darn Cain, you're so dumb. I have been Cain. You have been Cain. And it hurts to admit that but we have. And different translations give different variations of keeper. Keeper? Like how you keep a key in your pocket? What's what's up with that? So most variations say keeper, but in the message version, he says, how should I know? Am I his babysitter? In the New Living Translation and the Holman Christian Standard, he says, am I my brother's guardian? And In the God's word version, he says, am I supposed to take care of my brother? And in the new century version, he says, is it my job? 
to take care of my brother. But the reason I picked this out and put all of this up here for you to read is before, well, before I get to that part, some people probably are wondering, okay, so why did God not look at Cain's offering as important? Are animal farmers, are they more precious than gardeners? No, no. Don't focus on the exact sacrifice, the exact offering that they gave to God. It's the fact that when we look at scripture, just not even different translations, when we just look at one of them, it says that Abel gave his best and Cain did not. That's the only difference between them other than older, younger. The older did not give his best, whatever that was. The younger did. And in scripture, in Genesis 4, 6, he asked him, why are you angry? What's your problem? You have to rule over this. And instead of coming to him for help, instead of saying, but, but God, I'm angry. What, why didn't you accept me? He looked at his brother who was accepted and took his life instead. So it hurts. It hurts to see you in a horrific example like that. Because at least with Adam and Eve, you saw the serpent. But in this scripture, you wonder, what was Cain thinking? He only had one brother. You took the only brother you had? Out of jealousy? Out of... It's hard. It's hard to grapple with that. But we're going to keep going. Because I can continue on with that. We have to remember that we are in the after picture. In a before and after scene, when we look at the Old Testament and New Testament, Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve, everyone in the Old Testament, they were servants. They were servants. So I took these pictures. No, I didn't take them. I wasn't there. This is Downton Abbey, by the way. I saw these pictures and thought, you know, it's so cool how we don't... We don't have to stand in front of Abba Father and just focus on, do we do it right today? Did we, what do you want to, what, what do you want us to do? What, if, if we don't do the job right, will we get kicked out? Will we be rejected? How will we be punished? That's not our portion anymore. Don't you receive that. That is for servants. You are a child. He sees you. As a father holding a newborn child, every day, you're a grown man, grown woman. You could be 12, you could be 19, you could be near, in your 70s. You can be in any age at this point, but he still sees you as precious as an adorable baby. And he wants to care for you. He gives you all of your needs, all of it. And he sees you over here as his precious child, not as a slave. So, please understand how precious you are in his eyes. Romans 5, 20. 
Romans, the fifth chapter, 20th verse, I've been challenging myself lately to look at different translations to see how we can interpret scriptures differently. On the left side, it says, the law has brought, was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. On the right side, it says, the law came so that the full power of sin could be seen. Yet where sin was powerful, was powerful, God's kindness was even more powerful. So please keep in mind, grace was provided for us for our growth in faith and obedience, not for us to sin as much as we want and for him to forgive us no matter what. What Christ did was not for us to have a permanent free pass. So there's going to be consequences no matter what you do in this earth. And life is just not fair. But instead of responding to that unfairness, this favor, this grace isn't fair either. We have an amazing father to do this for us. He didn't just want us to sit with the law. He wanted us to be set free to see how these laws do not show us our worth. He does. In this, studying this to prepare for this night, I had a flashback. Oh, my gosh. I had an experience, an incredible opportunity as a child that, Really, I'm just really excited to share it with you tonight. Does anyone recognize this girl? The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Yeah, I wasn't that role. I, I didn't play her. But I knew that song, Frontwards and Backwards at age nine. It's, it's a really awesome story. And I'm sure you guys know it pretty well by now. But I wanted to share with you that back in 2004, I played as an orphan on stage in the production Annie. Yeah. That wasn't me, though. That's not, that's not my picture. I tried to find it. But I wanted to show what, what, that, what I might have looked like. I'm not that big. Come on. She's tall. If you saw the real picture, she's tall. I'm, I was like barely here, and that's saying something. So, yes, let's just say it was just one of the best experiences because, I mean, not, not one, it's Annie. Two, I get to sing and dance and go to rehearsals just doing the same things and be there, frankly, up to almost 10 p.m., not realizing my mom was driving me home just huffing and puffing, just, do we really have to stick this to the end? And then she'd hear me say, Mom, I'm having so much fun. Okay, baby, we're going to go next week. <laughs> not realizing. I didn't even realize it was an audition when I made it in. <laughs> not understanding until she explained to me that there were some kids that cried on their way out when they found out they were rejected and didn't make it in. Didn't make it into the production to be an orphan. I didn't make it, mama. And I'm just, I didn't get to say that because I made it in. They put me on the end, actually, singing. 
It's a hard not life for us. You guys know the song. It's hilarious, but it's hilarious thinking back on it now because the songs are, the song lyrics is terrible. Like when you really think about it, <laughs> instead of treated, we get tricked. Instead of kisses, we get kicked. It's a hard not life. I'm just, I was having a blast, but little did I know. Ooh, I'm not a real orphan. Thank God. Like, I went home. Once I really found out what that was, no, at, by nine, you'd think I'd know. But I didn't really, I didn't know any orphans. I didn't know anyone that mentioned, I don't have a mom or dad. Or, I, did, I never understood what that pain must be like. I just, I just didn't know. And this next slide is to remind everyone or educate you that anyone who was not raised in heaven has what is called the orphan spirit. There's a lot of teaching on this. Please go to the Divine Generations podcast and fill yourself to the brim with the orphan spirit lessons because they just bring you out so much clarity when you look back on your life and see how you reacted to, frankly, anything that did not go your way. It's not, this isn't dictated if you're a believer or not. This isn't dictated to how many times you've been to church or not. Or even if you're saved or not. It's the spirit straight from Satan himself that's just been here since he fell from heaven due to his rebellion. And it's just, it's where our sense of unworthiness, shame, doubt that we can never truly be loved is derived from. So, this slide, why is it important? Why did I have to bring up that I actually played a literal orphan on stage? Why did you embarrass yourself like that, girl? I was having a blast, thank you. So this experience was actually more significant than I could have ever imagined about 15 years ago. I didn't know. I had no idea. I had no idea that Years after I played an orphan, although I knew who my earthly mother and father was, I was an orphan spiritually. We've all inherited it because we are all born in Adam. And this spirit came straight. Thank you. Came straight from Satan himself. Introduced into mankind once at once Eve, then Adam, because people like to say Adam and Eve, and I'm just going, she did it first. Anyway, took the bite of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. So I just want to, you know, put that up there. The opposite of the orphan spirit is the spirit of adoption with the body of Christ, being in Abba Father's household. This is also what the Holy Spirit is. He affirms to us that we are Abba's children through Christ in Christ's gave us this spirit, gave us the spirit to be our comforter, to be our minister, to be more than, more than we could ever fathom, the best, the best parting gift. He's coming back, by the way, guys, Jesus. So, partial parting gift. Although the orphan spirit technically can't be cast out, we can still heal from it 
by applying healing balm. Once again, please go to the podcast and see how love, praise, glory, how there is there are ways to remedy this sensation that we will never be enough. No one truly understands us. No one will look at us, choose us, pull us out, even if we're even if we come in last place, even if we get rejected over and over by man. Abba knew what he was doing when he planned all of this. When you look at scripture, please don't focus on the Old Testament. Look at the New Testament because you're a new creation and there is life in the New Testament's words. We need to be affirmed and eat true fresh bread baked solely for you, not that spoiled, nasty, expired stuff. The Old Testament is great for historic reasons to know what could have been ours if Christ didn't do what he did. So please go on the podcast. Please go on the Divine Generations podcast. And this is from September all the way to December 2020 when you go online and see there is so much more to this that I don't even have anywhere enough time to touch on. So... In the next slide, you'll see there are three dimensions of righteousness that every child of Abba Father needs to know. The first one is the righteousness from our Father to us. The second is our righteousness from us to our Father. And the third is righteousness that we are expected to practice. I found these teachings specifically on June 5th, 2019, this was actually about a month before my husband Chad and I got here and was accepted, grafted into this family. This was the very first message on the podcast, so you better scroll, you better click all the way back. Like, you know how you type in something on Google and you just focus on the first few? No, go back to the very beginning on the website to listen to this, it is incredible to know, to apply, to live by. You are righteous. There's no earning it. And we have to tell that to ourselves again and again. In fact, the Greek word for righteousness is pronounced dikaiosune. Dikaiosune. D-I-K-A-I-O-S-Y-N-E. In a broad sense, is the state of him who is as he ought to be. Righteousness, the condition acceptable to God. The doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state approved of God. Integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. In a narrower sense, justice or the virtue which gives each his due. This isn't this isn't up there, but refer back to Galatians chapter five, verses twenty-two through twenty-six. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, 
gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Righteousness is not just for the saints the prophets, the super special people that the Bible highlights. Righteousness is for you, for me, for all of God's children, and whether you're a Nepios child, the lowest level of maturity, like you just got popped out, like you like you kind of slimy a little bit still. You don't know anything spiritually. Or a weos child, the highest the epitome of maturity. I know, guys. I have, to, I have to smile. I have to keep it light, you know. Whether you're a Nepios child or a Weos child, that's on the podcast, too. Just saying. Righteousness is ours. It is what we ultimately trade our sin for. Simply from being wrong to being right. Growing up, I just was taught not to sin. You're just taught what not to do instead of being righteous. I heard phrases like be holy, act holy, but I didn't know what that meant, and no one elaborated. I didn't receive a lot of specifics, and righteousness was not a part of my vocabulary or nearly anyone's around me because we just righteous. Like, we just, I don't get it either, but. Here we are anyway. Now I understand a lot better that righteousness is a spectrum and it's something you practice to become, to increase in your righteousness. But it is yours. You have an amazing portion of it by simply saying yes to Christ Jesus. If you've been considering it for a while, if you've been grappling with it, like is it really as good as they say? It's the best thing. Human words cannot describe to you the freedom you receive when you accept Christ Jesus in your life. And there's so much more than to just say, say a scripted prayer and amen, I'm saved. There's so much more to it. So if you wonder, what's practicing righteousness? What? Practice righteousness. There's five main steps that Divine Generations has taught me, and I will repeat and gladly live by. It's just, it's, it's life-changing. First is reading the word. I've been saying a lot of scripture. It's one thing to hear it, but read it. Look at it for yourself. Don't just open it up one day for one hour or two and think you're going to be fine. Because if you eat once a week, will you really be fine? The second one is prayer. Speak to him. You can think to him. You can write to him. Prayer comes in all shapes and sizes, but please talk to him because I don't know how my mom would look at me if she speaks to me and I just didn't say a word. If my dad talked to me and I just looked the other way, it's, it's hard. And, yes, I'm sure we have done it. We have suffered from estrangement as well, and I pray that, you are healed from that. But those of you who were raised by people 
that love you, if they speak to you, why would you not respond back? So Abba Father, through his words that he gave to us, bestowed on us, he didn't just give it to us for, we to, to, for us to read and whisper, amen, and, and that's it. We need to talk to him. We need to know him for ourselves, not for any pastor, any teacher, anyone older than you, wiser than you, or just look like they got a better life than you. Don't just take their word for, don't, don't just listen to their testimony and think, yep, that's mine too. You have your own testimony. Go live it out. Go share it. But most importantly, speak to your Abba, your daddy. The third is giving, tithing. He didn't just give for you to keep it all. He asked for you to give 10% back to him, not because he needs it, because he's Abba. He got it all. But it's important to know that there are blessings for you that you can't receive unless you give something. There's exchanges that we do every day. We may exchange watching the news for stress. We may exchange eating good food, but getting indigestion because was it really good food? We exchange all kinds of things every day, like staying up too late and feeling sleep deprived but going, man, that show was good, though, was it? Do you even remember what happened to that one guy that said that one thing? You don't even remember his name, do you? So was that really worth the eight hours you skipped out on? And now you have this new day to focus on, but you're just nodding off the whole time. So give us this day or daily bread, Abba. But does it matter if you don't eat it? Does it matter if you leave it to be stale? for you to move on to the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, and just not receive and give accordingly. So this helps us with not only discipline, but to receive more for him, more from him and for him. We receive and give him glory because we're able to give more to others. It's, it's a long thing. Go on the podcast. Okay. The fourth one, fasting. Disciplining your flesh. <laughs> what a beautiful word, right? Not just the chicken skin, but like your body has its own mind, okay? There's so much to the flesh, and I really debated, what am I going to put on this list? There's so much to talk about. Sin, righteousness, sin, righteousness. But frankly, fasting helps us, even though it feels like a sin to yourself. But you just said eat, and you're telling me to not why? Because we don't owe the flesh anything. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We don't. We really don't. So there's different forms of fasting. From food, probably shouldn't fast from water, just saying. But um, there's a lot into fasting. But there's so much more to gain than what you lose in the moment. And for the fifth one, community! you guys so much we're doing this right now we're you're doing the fifth one right now to those who showed up thank you for those who couldn't you're listening thank you because you're still doing step five enjoying fellowship as a spiritual family listening to one another giving and receiving iron sharpening iron even if you feel like you like a dusty piece of straw I, I assure you you're iron that's part of that orphan spirit you're more than that okay 
Yeah, there's a lot to go into this. Go to the podcast. Okay, so it's, it's just incredible to know that he aligns steps in his word to help us be not just children, but mature children, children that can help others bring them into this family. Excuse me. All right, so I should have been off the script. Anyway, please edit that out. <laughs> Uh, I will never say anything like, I won't be before you long, because clearly I've been before you long, haven't I? Uh, We'll get through that, though. Thank you for listening. We're almost there. There's a few more slides. I'll say that. There are a few more slides. I cannot guarantee you I'll say a few more words, though. So in the next one, you'll see that there are three dimensions of love as well. Three dimensions. We're three dimensions. It's only right that we love in three dimensions. So receiving love from the Father, you can't love if you don't get it from him. We don't know what love is if we're not with him. He is love. So you can't Love yourself or love one another without receiving love from him, which goes back to practicing righteousness. Be with him. Be with him. Speak to him. Read words that were meant for you. And the next two steps are possible. Like, they're unlocked. No, they're, they're, not, they're not even. When you receive his love, then they become unlocked. You can't love one another as yourself without receiving his love for you. The second step is loving yourself. You love you with his love. You can't, you can't do two without one. And in Matthew 22, 22nd chapter, verses 37 through 38, Jesus replied in response to one of the Pharisees, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And parts one and two is the part where you love him with everything. Because can you love him with everything while denying what he has for you? Like, no, I, I just, I don't deserve this. I see the promotion, but I just, I just, mm-mm. Uh, he, he looks really nice. He might be the one, but I, I don't, it, uh, am I really meant to marry someone that incredible? I, <sighs> you can make all the sounds you want, but you could be denying acts of love daily if you don't first understand who you are. And to understand how much he he loves you. To know him is to know yourself, and to know you is to love you and to appreciate how he created you. You didn't design one part of your body. You might have trained it, snatched it in shape, but you didn't put it there. So please, please understand that. You know, easier said than done. I'm practicing it too. So don't you think I got it all figured out, but I'm reading this along with you. So the last one, loving one another as yourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. But steps one and two unlock step three. So it's a beautiful thing to practice. It's a beautiful thing to see the results when you follow the steps. One plus two is three. 
But if you skip one, you might get two, you might get zero, you might get like negative 97. I don't know what, what, I don't know your math steps, but that's something that no one else can hold your hand and do for you. You have to do that yourself. Now, in the next slide, I did a little show and tell. This is something that I'm learning and teaching simultaneously. And it's totally possible to do both, to learn and teach. And I created what's called a sentence diagram. This is, this is like back in the 1800s, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to tell you the history of that. But it's incredible to see that every word in the English language serves a purpose. There's eight parts of speech, not going to get into that. But the fact that there is a tool, there's multiple tools that you are, that you are able to utilize to piece words in a sentence together and to see how they function, which is why it's beautiful to know that we're part of the body of Christ, that each one of us has a purpose, has a destiny. And I showed this to you. And I'm going to read it to you because it looks a little funky when you first look at it, right? It's, this is Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, spread out, stretched out. But it's important to look at each word individually and as a whole. In the far left corner, the subject of the sentence, even though it's not written, every command, every imperative sentence the subject is actually you. Anytime you give a command, receive a command, even if it's skip, hop, run, clean your room, don't do that, leave me alone. You know, th there's a lot of different commands you can give and receive. The subject is actually, that top left corner, you. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the lines represents adjectives. Even though they're little tiny words, they don't look like they're doing much. The talks more about the Lord, your God. So that's something I wanted to show you to see why I may come here <laughs> on Wednesday nights exhausted. Because I'm showing them this, and it's going to take some time to digest to see them do it too. But today was extra rewarding to see, you know, they didn't do this. That's, that's a lot. I, 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 this is some, someone else did that one. I copy-pasted that. I'm learning too, and it's just beautiful to see my students build their own diagrams. But this is just a snippet of what it is and how vital it is. If words have a purpose, why do you think you don't have one? Why would you think the word the, as forgettable as it is, is still an adjective and it's something we need to make our language make sense? So why do you think you're just here floating around, not floating, walking, don't float. Walking around, just thinking, what am I doing here? So each word has a purpose. 
And just like that scripture, I didn't put up here, just like that scripture that says, if he feeds the birds of the sky and supplies nutrients to the plants on the earth, why do you think he won't do what he needs to do to care for you? Why do you think he even invests so much in you for you to defeat, to be allow yourself to be defeated by the enemy? Consent and subscribe to what he's trying to sell to you, saying you're worthless, he doesn't care for you. Don't believe those lies. Because even these little itty-bitty words have a purpose. So do you. So, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, in the next slide, in the next slide, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. So please, please, please understand there was no earning his love. Nope. You didn't brush your teeth extra thoroughly this morning to receive even more of his love. Nope. He had that for you from the beginning. He had that for you before you were even conceived before you even thought of as a possibility, he had that love for you. There was no earning it. No one can brag, I did this though, but I did that. But you know what else you did? You denied his love. So please accept it and not think you need to do something to earn it. No. Don't think that was a condemning thing. I was mostly talking to me. <laughs> like I really for a long time have struggled with anxiety and really thought this this was not possible to stand here before you or even to stand in front of the mirror like I'm not getting up today there's nothing for me today blah 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 it's okay <laughs> we are righteous we are righteous not were not will be are righteous in Christ Jesus and that makes me think of another show well, not even another show. I didn't mention the first one. What am I talking about? This is the one and only show I'm going to mention. It's called The Good Place. I'm not sponsored. They should, <laughs> They really should. This is just one of my favorite shows. It's witty. It's that kind of humor where there's no annoying live studio audience trying to prompt you to clap and laugh at something. It's just organically <laughs> funny. So I like the storyline. And, of course, just warning you, any secular show that you watch, take it with a grain of salt. Please don't live by it. You, no, just entertainment has ups and downs. But this one actually brought me back to scripture to indulge in the truth. Because in, if you ever watched it, and if you're thinking about it, it's pretty humorous. Because the characters discover that in the world there was an invisible point system that kept track of every single right and wrong action that people did as positive and negative numbers. Not a math lesson, just bear with me. And a secret was revealed that there was never enough good works to send people to the true good place, a.k.a. heaven. But they didn't say heaven or hell in this, in this um, TV show, and I appreciated it, honestly. So everyone, everyone on planet Earth technically belonged to the bad place. 
and they didn't know it. They kind of snuck around in these secret places and discovered, wait a minute, we thought we were in the good place, but this is actually demons deceiving us? And we supposed to, this is the bad place. What? They were so mad because they were praised all their life thinking that they did all these great things. And then it turned out it was fake. They deceived. <laughs> there was this ancient system put in place where technically no one could make it into the good place, which is a lot like what I'm sure you've heard before. There's nothing that you can do to earn the Father's love and to make it into heaven. You haven't earned that place. It is freely given to you through Christ Jesus. You did not work for his love. He gave it to you. So accept it and love one another accordingly. Don't look at what people do as a reason to love them. Love them because Abba loved you. And Abba loves them. It's as hilarious as the story was, it brought me back to the cross thinking, oh, I'm so glad it doesn't work like that. Point system. Everyone in the show deserved punishment. No one was capable of saving themselves or proving to the higher ups that they should be happy or at peace forever. And I'm just so blessed that that's just not how God's kingdom works because all you need to do is accept Christ, learn of his ways, practice righteousness. You, we know which home we're going to. That's not, that's not up for debate. It's about understanding he's not keeping track of your right and wrongs. He's not looking at you saying, oh, you should have said hi to that person. Eh, minus two. Oh, plus four. You, you gave that parking space over because that's like the prime special one. Good. Oh, but then you glared at that person for no reason. Bad. No, no, it's not going to do. No, that's not what Abba does. Some people may, but love them anyway. <laughs> Therefore, I will continue. <laughs> Hallelujah that it does not work that way. There is no eternal scoreboard keeping track of your sins and good works. There's this song, the last song I will reference because I've been singing today, huh? This song is called Unshackled by Ecclesia. And I want to post these lyrics because we're going to listen to it afterwards. But it's important to look closely at what these awesome sons and daughters did to help bring us out of dark places and to help remind us we have been free for a while, but sometimes when we feel the weight lifted, we notice that shackles, chains, forms of bondage can be familiar. We know they don't feel good, but we may pick them up and put them back on because that's what we think we deserve. Leave them off. They're not cute. They're not decoration. They're not accessories. Keep them off you. So I'm going to read these lyrics and we will soon listen to them. For those of you on the podcast, please listen to Unshackled by Ecclesia, E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A. It's so, it's, it, you should, if you, if you listen to this while driving, you might want to pull over and praise him for a little bit. Just, you know, just get it out, because it's hard to listen to this and not lift your hands. Don't lift your hands off that wheel. So, I see souls in cages 
silenced by the voice of fear. Their melodies, they're in prison, giving into the lie that is all there is to life. But freedom is near. I see inhibitions breaking into the weight of faith. I see walls crumble as fear runs away at the sound of his name. I see the spirit releasing every daughter, every son of God, as the father's voice gets louder and we become alive at the sound of love. This is the last slide, okay? It's the last one. You guys are doing great. Thank you. No room for fear now. We are set free. Rise and believe, for our God is freedom. And by the cross, our chains were released. No room for fear now. We are set free. Rise and believe. For our God is freedom. And by the cross, our chains were released. You set me free, unshackled and unafraid. Thank you.